and sandals. No one will miss that. Um, sweating from the, from the backs of your knees will not be missed. We will not miss shirts that say rosé all day. We will not miss hot dogs covered in yellow jackets. We will not miss dads in tank tops. And finally, with the end of the summer, we say goodbye uh, officially to the In My Feelings Challenge. Kiki doesn't love us anymore. There you go. Things we will not miss the end of summer. That uh, reference to pop music left me uh, mystified. But uh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Back of knee sweat. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, a couple of things for you. There is a, uh, a some belief out there that the reason NBC tried to kill the story about Harvey Weinstein... <laughs> Weenstain. Is that he threatened to blow the lid on the Matt Lauer thing that he knew about oh! Matt Lauer? Oh! So more on that coming up, which makes perfectly good sense. The biggest star at NBC, the highest paid person they have. Did they Tomcat around together? He has Mossad agents he hires to get dirt on people. He always has the upper hand on things. Yeah. Um. So there's that. Wow, what a dangerous adversary. So I got that story. I also want to tell you about a guy. Where did this happen? I know we got to get to what we're doing right away, but mm. I want to make sure I nail down where this we'll happened. We'll get to it. it. Was it? Was I, was I Everybody's right? Everybody's in such a hurry these days. I'll nail down where it happened. the summer is over. Did you hear about the guy who sexed up the beaver on the road? <sighs> Single entendre. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a story. No. I mean, there's more I, to I it than... I hope you're not going to tell us about there's it. There's more to it than just that. Oh, God. It's certainly. wild. Don't do meth, kids. Oh, this my. is the sort of beast it turns you into. Oh, my. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. The cautionary tale. Oh, my God. <sighs> Michael, we need transition music. <laughs> Got to sing a beaver. <laughs> there are no funnier animals available. No, I might need a little more. Give me just a little more, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, boy. Speaking to the Russians. <laughs> so the Kavanaugh hearings are going on as we... Turn it off! As we speak, the Kavanaugh hearings are going on, and each of the senators, some of them very old, get 30 minutes to question him, and then he answers with sort of very vague, I'm all for whatever is good and nice, and I'm against things that are bad and evil. Wow, he sounds like a fine fellow. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's all a charade and an insult to the intelligence of the of the nation. But a rare moment of sense yesterday, the fabulous Ben Sass, senator from Nebraska, young fellow, uh, by senatorial standards. Of course, 70 is young by senatorial standards. Um, he, he chose not to engage in the partisan bickering and grandstanding and instead uh, unleashed on the country. And this resonated so beautifully with so many people for a couple of reasons, I think. Number one, that it, it was about governance, not politics. What? And we we in this country are obsessed with my team, your team. Politics as opposed to the function of the government. How are we as free people governing ourselves? Are we still governing ourselves? Is this working? How's it supposed to be working? Instead of that sniping in the intentional distraction of politics, in my mind. Also, uh, from you know my point of view and that of uh, one of our intellectual heroes, Tim the Lawyer, um, he did a great job of stating what's wrong with the colossus of the federal government. This is longish. Michael, I'll be playing it from my uh, terminal here. Um, 
and and we'll pause and discuss as needed. But this is Ben Sass, and this gather your children around the radio. We promise you, we'll warn you before we get to the beaver story. Oh, jeez, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is Ben Sass. Who around this body is not pass laws. What we mostly do is decide to give permission to the secretary or the administrator of bureaucracy X, Y, or Z to make law-like regulations. That's mostly what we do here. We go home and we pretend we make laws. No, we don't. We write giant pieces of legislation, 1,200 pages, 1,500 pages long, that people haven't read, filled with all these terms that are undefined, and we say the secretary of such and such shall promulgate rules that do the rest of our dang jobs. That's why there's so many fights about the executive branch and about the judiciary, because this body rarely finishes its work. And the House is even worse. Uh, I don't really believe that. It just seemed like you needed to try to unite us in some way. So I admit that there are rational arguments that one could make for this new system. The Congress can't manage all the nitty-gritty details of everything about modern government, and this system tries to give power and control to experts in their fields, where most of us in Congress don't know much of anything or uh, about technical matters for sure, but you could also impugn our wisdom if you want. But when you're talking about technical, uh, complicated matters, it's true that the Congress would have a hard time f- sorting out every final dot and tittle about every detail. I'm not sure you can say tittle on the air. I had not heard that expression yeah so uh just uh, you know to interject before we continue um this to me is a fairly compelling argument uh, that the government's gotten too big and too powerful and too extensive in what it manages um if the elected uh, legislators um executive branch folks and and judges can't manage it what percentage of the government is it okay that it's run by unelected bureaucrats or so-called experts? And different people have different answers. Ten percent okay? How about fifty percent? How about eighty percent? Yeah. How about the vast majority of it? Yeah, and and I don't even know how you'd nail down that percentage. I don't know either. Tim uh, Tim the lawyer would have a better guess because he's always making this argument that they pass the law, no more bad things, right? And it's very broad, and then unelected bureaucrats come up with regulations mm-hmm. that could be anything. And have the force of law. And have the hey, force of law. You don't believe it? Go violate an EPA regulation that was not specifically passed by Congress. Violate it, then refuse to pay the fine. Then when men with guns come and put you in a cage for the next segment of your life, tell me that those aren't laws. But they were never voted on. And you can't vote the people out who passed them. We're debated. How many people are involved in passing some of those regulations sometimes? A person? A yeah, couple? They have hearings and stuff, but who goes to them? Right. Anyway, back to the sassy one. But the real reason at the end of the day that this institution punts most of its power to executive branch agencies is because it's a convenient way for legislators to have to, to be able to avoid taking responsibility for controversial and often unpopular decisions. If people want to get reelected over and over again, and that's your highest goal, if your biggest long-term thought around here is about your own incumbency, then actually giving away your power is a pretty good strategy. It's not a very good life, but it's a pretty good strategy for incumbency. And so at the end of the day, a lot of the power delegation that happens from this branch is because the Congress has decided to self-neuter. Well, guess what? The important, the important thing isn't whether or not the Congress has lame jobs. The important thing is that when the Congress neuters itself and gives power to an unaccountable fourth branch of government, it means the people are cut out of the process. There's nobody in Nebraska. 
There's nobody in Minnesota or Delaware who elected the deputy assistant administrator of plant quarantine at the USDA. And yet if the deputy assistant administrator of plant quarantine does something to make Nebraskans' lives really difficult, which happens to farmers and ranchers in Nebraska, who do they protest to? Where do they go? How do they navigate the complexity and the thicket of all the lobbyists in this town to do executive agency lobbying? They can't. And so what happens is they don't have any ability to speak out and to fire people through an election. And so ultimately, when the Congress is neutered, when the administrative state grows, when there is this fourth branch of government, it makes it harder and harder for the concerns of citizens to be represented and articulated by people that the people know that they have power over. Now, if you don't know Ben Sass's act, he's what I would call a moderate Republican on most things. But what he said is so 100% true if you're a lefty. I mean, or anybody, any citizen, this is not about conservatism or it is about libertarianism, honestly, but um, it's certainly not about progressivism, except in that the classic progressive view is the government can do what the government wants. um, If we all agree that it's a good idea, Uh, you know, there are some of us who think that that's an inevitable disaster. Um, But anyway, there's about a minute left. Roll on. All the power right now, or almost all the power right now, happens off stage, And that leaves a lot of people wondering, who's looking out for me? And that brings us to the third point. The Supreme Court becomes our substitute political battleground. It's only nine people. You can know them. You can demonize them. You can try to make them messiahs. But ultimately, because people can't navigate their way through the bureaucracy, they turn to the Supreme Court looking for politics. And knowing that our elected officials no longer care enough to do the hard work of reasoning through the places where we differ and deciding to shroud our power at times, it means that we look for nine justices to be super legislators. We look for nine justices to try to right the wrongs from other places in the process. When people talk about wanting to have empathy from their justices, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about trying to make the justices do something that the Congress refuses to do as it constantly abdicates its responsibility. The hyperventilating that we see in this process and the way that today's hearing started with 90 minutes of theatrics that are pre-planned with with certain members of the other side here, it shows us a system that is wildly out of whack. And thus a fourth and final point. The solution here is not to try to find judges who will be policymakers. The solution is not to try to turn the Supreme Court into an election battle for TV. The solution is to restore a proper constitutional order with a balance of powers. Whoops. Oh, that's it. Okay. So uh, one of the other things he said at another moment was that there shouldn't be protests in front of the Supreme Court. There shouldn't be protests in front of the White House. There should be protests in front of Congress, because we're supposed to be figuring out what happens in the government. That's our job. That was beautiful. Mm. That was beautiful, Ben Sass. Yeah, it was really good. The uh, the the uh, laying out what's going on was one thing that needs to be said over and over, but the why we're this way about the Supreme Court, I'd never thought about. That's really interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because because Congress doesn't deal with this stuff, we put it all on those nine people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Schoolhouse Rock version of this, and well, it's the literal version as well. It's right out of the Constitution. Is the the judges take a look at the laws and decide whether they're constitutional and interpret them. Well, if the if the law is as vague as uh, we've established, the Department of Good Things happening. 
and it's uh, it gives enormous latitude to these unelected bureaucrats. Well, the judges are deciding the the validity of the work of unelected bureaucrats mostly, which is it's like a back end legislator. The legislature does a shoddy job for the reasons Ben Sass laid out. The bureaucrats interpret it. Then on the receiving end, and I mean that, the citizens get worked over by it and then go to a judge and say, what should the law should have said? What what should the law be? And in this modern, you know, more progressive view of judging, the judge says, well, let's see. That was tough on the farmers, probably a little too tough. That was not tough enough on the coal plants and it ought to be a lot tougher right on down the line. And the judges write the law. The legislature didn't. I'll be danged. God bless you, Ben Sass. So this happened in the state of Washington. You're driving down the highway. A beaver is trying to cross the road. Gets hit by a car. Why did the beaver cross the road? It's not we'll dead. We'll take your answers in our mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. The beaver's not dead. It's injured. A beleaguered beaver. What do you do if you see an injured animal alongside the road? Well, there's a lot of different options. Uh, what this one meth head decided to do oh boy, um, is not for the children. Stay oh tuned boy. to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. They're uh, one's older than the other. They become friends at work. A couple of dudes. Um, they get to talking about uh, various things. One guy says, "Yeah, I was adopted," and the one guy says, "Oh, wow, that's interesting. I gave up a son for adoption when I was young." And, it's, and then they start comparing stories of where and how and ages. And I'll be damned, I'm your dad. Well, that's interesting. Boy, that reminds me of one of my favorite jokes that <laughs> has that theme. The punchline is, no, it was a different elephant. <laughs> All right. Very, very funny joke. Very funny joke. Also, to follow up on Guys this. Guys in the wilds have Africa, and there's an elephant limping badly, and he approaches. he got to string out the joke. You know, he approaches cautiously, blah, blah, blah. And he pulls out a thorn, the elephants, and then the thing trumpets and runs off into the wilderness. Years later, he's at a zoo, and, and he, he, he sees the elephant, and he thinks, oh, my God, that's the same elephant. And the elephant looks at him, and. He looks at the elephant, and they exchange a look, and a guy's like, oh, my God, he's moved to tears, and he works his way into the elephant's cage and approaches the elephant, and the elephant stomps him to death. It was a different elephant. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to the Ben Sass stuff earlier, you might be wondering about this. Surprised I didn't know that. Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Jesus used the term jot and tittle. Yeah. It's, a, it's, okay. like, it's basically like saying crossing your I's and dotting your T's or crossing your T's and dotting your I's. It's a couple of letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and so that's what that is. Yeah, uh, it's mentioned in both Matthew and Luke, according to one of our alert listeners. So that's what that was. Yeah, how about that? Um, the Bible! That's right, sir. Woman faked her abduction to avoid paying her workers. Uh, uh, 
Goop has settled the lawsuit, could no longer make health claims about vaginal eggs. Boy, you hate to see Goop come under scrutiny. Old VE. And remember that, uh, did we talk about this on the air, the museum in Brazil that burned oh, yeah. down? yeah, I have it right in front of me. It's, anyway, uh, it's astonishing what they lost. A professor ran in and saved a couple of really important things. Ran into a burning building to save some uh, bones mm. and stuff. Literally. Yeah. My bones! And uh, I've been putting this off. My bones are burning! <laughs> so what he might have said in that scenario. Right! It's a dramatic reenactment. Uh, similar to Krusty the Clown in the Simpsons episode when his house caught on fire. My porn! <laughs> <laughs> Which leads us to this. A man accused of sexually assaulting a beaver dying on the road. This I'm really going to present this as, to try to give it some credibility, um, this guy's a meth head, and it yeah. shows you what an animal yeah. you'll become on those kind of drugs. Just freaking craziness. Anyway. It t- kills your humanity. Yeah. Well, and yet just the very base instincts of your brain take over, whether it's violence or sex or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's how people on these hardcore drugs do things that are just, well, they're not human. You you hear them and you do some of the crimes and you think, how could any human do that? Well, they aren't really even hardly human at that point. Yeah. It's just their animal brain. Anyway, so a woman uh, is driving on the interstate. She saw a beaver get nailed by a truck. Um, and it was still alive, and she didn't know what to do. This is in Washington State. If you're a certain sort of person, maybe you have a gun in the car or something, you could put it out of its misery. But yeah. you know, she thought, what'd she do? So Grab she, its pelt and trade it to a Frenchman. She dro- drove off to get help at a, at a town close by. When they got back 30 minutes later, a guy was on top of the wounded beaver oh. on the road. Pants zipped with a pocket full of meth, sexing up the, the dying beaver right Gee, there on the road. Christmas. That's uh, the guy who chewed off a guy's face in Florida wants to talk to that guy. Yeah, dude, Straighten him out. Dude, get it together. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Have uh, you ever just tried chewing off another person's face? Uh, yeah. The wow. woman called 911. Officers eventually showed up to arrest the guy who was still at it by the time the police showed up. He was later charged with animal cruelty, um, misuse of a pun, and possession of methamphetamine. A later note. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but that is, isn't that something? Yeah. Methamphetamine will do that to you, apparently. God, you know, that's crazy. I, I, would, <laughs> I would tell people, tell that story to your kids so they understand what meth can do to you. But uh, No. No, there's right. probably a better story to tell you. Yeah, kids. but it's just, it is amazing. It's astonishing. Yeah. It's as if it's a, a soul removal procedure. Humanity removal procedure. So he's driving. I realize he's high on meth, but he's driving down the road. Joe. He sees a Michael. dying beaver alongside the road. Michael. <laughs> Michael. And of all the thoughts that could pop into your head when you see a wounded animal alongside the road, the thought that pops into his head and he acts on is, you know what? I think I'll have sex with that. Good freaking Lord. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Getting into gun control during the Kavanaugh hearings, and a San Francisco court has ruled cities cannot arrest the homeless for sleeping on the street. Oh, boy. Combine that with the San Diego ruling from a week ago. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't know. 
mean, that's... Well, we'd have to ask the chairman what he has in his confidential uh, yeah. material. But, but here's the, uh, if you're referring to something particular, here's what I know. Hey, hey um, just stop a minute here. Reference twice in your 30 minutes, and don't take this off of his time. You made reference. He, this, you're talking about the period of time that he was White House counsel. Yep. That material's available to everybody. So, so, the, so that bit of the material about him that's marked uh, committee confidential is now public and available? Is that what you say? If that's what the chairman say, no. we got a whole new series of no, questions. No, not if it is. It's the two old guys from the Muppets up on the balcony, <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Clear your throat! Give those two a Werther's original, tell them Matlock's on it. Can we please get some youth in the government? A <laughs> couple, of, couple of, I'm guessing, 80-year-olds, 80-plus, 80 uh, arguing over something. And, uh, you know, they might be making good points, just slowly and with lots of phlegm. Um, you know, sageism is probably not cool. But it's, uh, it's ugly. It's an ugly side of you. Uh, that's from the Kavanaugh hearing. Let's get the latest with Marshall Phillips. Well, day two of the Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh's Senate hearings. California Senator Diane Feinstein, who wrote the original assault weapons ban that was in effect until 2004. She co-authored the Declaration of Independence. Oh, more ageism. Feinstein asked why Kavanaugh had argued the D.C. assault weapons ban was unconstitutional. He said... He was basing his opinion on prior Supreme Court rulings on common use definitions for various weapons. Yes, and I was referring uh, to some semi some kinds of semi-automatic rifles that are banned by D.C. are in wide, uh, widely owned in the United States. And that seemed to be the test that the Supreme Court had set forth in the Heller and McDonald cases. In other words, if a type of firearm is widely owned in the United States. Now, whether I agree with that test or not was not the issue before me. I have to follow the precedent of the Supreme Court as it's written. Kavanaugh arguing in common use gave the guns more or less protected status, not like machine guns, which are banned and banned permanently. San Francisco Chronicle is reporting... Oh, on on that point, we got a a text that I thought was pretty interesting. So he's not allowed to uh, to give he, he well he doesn't give his view on things because then the opposition and I say opposition as opposed to Democrats because the reverse would happen if we had a reverse going on right. mm-hmm. would act like uh, well then he can't follow the law because he's biased by his opinion right this is where it does matter that's the Democrats because Democrats are making the argument that Comey Strzok and a number of others who clearly. Had a point of view in their investigations. And couldn't wait to tell you. <laughs> could easily uh, put that aside and follow the law. Right. But they're saying a Supreme Court justice couldn't. Yeah, it's the support of, sort of hypocrisy you get in D.C. San Francisco Chronicle is reporting the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that cities cannot prosecute people for sleeping on the streets if they have nowhere else to go because it amounts to cruel and unusual punishment which is unconstitutional. Well, San Diego minute. made that rolling about in your cars a couple of weeks ago. According- whoa, 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 whoa. The punishment isn't cruel or unusual. What they're arguing is that there should be no punishment for that crime. That's really misapplying the Eighth Amendment. I haven't read the ruling, obviously. but Well, they're saying if there's not enough beds, if the city's not providing enough beds and the people are forced to sleep outside, so well, a city, you can't arrest them. So a city has to provide enough beds for whoever shows up 
Any human being who wanders within right. the city that's limits. A, uh, that's a standard that has not existed at any point in the history of human beings. Correct. What I mean, if, if you rounded up homeless people and whipped them, that would be cruel and unusual punishment. But to fine them or say you got to get, how is that a violation of the Eighth Amendment? You I'm show, mystified. You show up a, to a city, it's on the city to provide you a place to sleep. That is an interesting view of uh, the way to structure society. The, uh, the court agreed with six homeless people in Boise, Idaho, who sued the city in 2009 over a local law banning sleeping in public spaces. The I'll ruling... be our Boise expert, Marshall, as I there spent uh, a delightful day and a half in that fair city. The ruling could affect a number of other cities across the western states that have similar laws. And the wow. judges and the judges ruled that if there are beds available, but there's a religious component involved in staying at the shelter, that too was a problem, and the homeless who didn't want to participate could sleep on the street and they could not be arrested. Wow, I'm if sleeping on a street, religious component. There's a yes. bed available, but it's a church, and I feel like you're shoving Christianity down my yes. uh, my throat. So I'm going to sleep on the street in front of this business and make uh, make it harder for the business to have any customers come in because nobody wants to step over a sleeping person to go in and perhaps ruin their business and cause phila- financial calamity to their family. Uh, this is why people mock the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Where are they supposed to sleep then? Well, my answer is somewhere else. Turns out these days, office workers prefer to eat lunch at their desk. Got a new study out that looked at a couple thousand workers and found less than half, far less than half, leave their desk to eat. The reasons they're giving, there's not enough time to leave for lunch, and there's just too much work to be done. Another change in in society, because back when I had this sort of job where that was possible, you'd shut down at lunchtime. Yeah didn't shut down the radio station but a lot of people went and ate and you spent a little time not you know not uh staring at your computer screen or at your desk or whatever and got to know each other and it made life more enjoyable which mm-hmm. is really a, a lot of the point of life or just refreshing your mind yeah right? yeah but that has gone away yep natural news i'm marshall phillips the armstrong and getty show the conscience of the nation <laughs> Change, change in a couple of decades. It would have been unthinkable yep. uh, uh, decades ago that you've never been out to eat with your coworkers. Sure. Now you could work with people for years and you've never been out to eat with right. them. Or that you would just work through lunch repeatedly. I mean, you would do that if there was a client, there was an emergency, et cetera, et cetera, and everybody would be, hey, well, Joe, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, Jones account, blah, blah, blah. Wow, wow. You know, it'd be exceptional, but... Probably plays a role in the whole obesity thing, too, the less structured meal whole thing. Well, that was something else that the study found. They found 70% of people, employees, workers, snack at least two times a day, and almost half keep a snack drawer in their desk so they can graze throughout the day. And probably not healthy stuff, right. because that's, we're, that's the way we are. My first job out of college. Who the f- wants to eat? I'm hungry, Mel. Go have Okay. Hooray! Mm, that's my, my boss. First job out of uh, college, I lived five minutes away from my office. And as an introvert, man, I love to just go home for lunch. Drive five minutes home, sit there, watch a little tube, read or something, munch, munch, munch. Then go back to the office. But having refreshed. A, but you still had a lunch break. You refreshed still and ready to take a nap. Because <laughs> my, my belly was full. Because <laughs> I'm an overeater. <laughs> that happens. Yeah, but yeah, I'd take a break, of course. If it wasn't an overeater, I'd have come back with energy. Uh, I was on the west side of the building. So, what is your point? My my office would get really warm. 
The afternoon sun, <laughs> full belly, Sleepy warm back. office. Oh my god, it's like my my uh, eyelids weighed fifteen pounds. You're a man who taking a nap. I'm a man who craves leisure. <laughs> so this isn't getting as much attention as it should. Trump absolutely, and he doubled down on it yesterday. Drew a red line with Assad. Absolutely did. Wow. Should point that out. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. was booed during the final performance of her world tour last night after she forgot the name of the city in England she was performing in. Said Spears, how you feeling tonight, Hogwarts? Speaking of Hogwarts, I just see up on the uh, Today Show, it's the 20-year anniversary of Harry Potter book coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah, the first one. We, wow, uh, we're that's just, right, because Kate was... Five going on six. Good Lord. And we're on number four. It's interesting, though, because the, the, that's old. That's an old book. 20 yeah. years, twenty year old literature. Yeah. That's that's a long time ago. God, my son just eats these things up. Mm. Just couldn't love them more. It's, you know. Well, and the beautiful thing is they get longer and more complex as you go through the series. But Generally, as kids get a little older and more sophisticated and better readers. The idea of having your kid in bed, you got to make them go to sleep to stop reading a 700-page book with tiny print Yeah, is, is something. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, he got So they're giving away books, like old books from the library. In the last two days, he's gotten books. He gets an interesting combo. So two days ago, he got he was allowed to grab two books for free. He got one on dirt bikes and one on the Holocaust. What? <laughs> <laughs> And then yesterday, he got one on skateboarding and the American Revolution. So apparently it goes with an X-Games sport and a major historical event. That's not a bad combo. (laughs) Here's a trivia question for you. How many bald eagles were there in the United States in 1967? In 1967? Wrong. Huh. It is 500. There were only 500 bald eagles in the entire country. And we've gotten the population back up to about 70,000. It's a lovely bird. That's Squawky right there. Squawky the bald eagle. God bless you, Squawky. We keep, and the, the good you do. We keep him chained in the studio to symbolize freedom. That's right. Barbaric. So uh, the uh, the bald eagle, famously a scavenger, just uh, picks up dead stuff and eats it, which is not, you know. It's really hot. It's a, just, it's a hawk with a white hair, right? Well, it's an eagle. It's gigantic. But, I mean, yeah, it's bigger. But it's the same sort of thing, right, Doe? Same sort of lifestyle? Going around it's, looking it's, for rats it's, it's and dead a, things? Especially handsome eagle. Yeah, okay. Golden eagles. Now, there's a bird. So this didn't get a lot of attention yesterday, but the White House warned Syria in tweet and then later in a statement that if he uses chemical weapons against his people again, the U.S. and its allies will respond swiftly and appropriately. Uh, They're monitoring a particular province in Syria where it looks like the Iranians, the Russians, and the Syrians, or the Assad Syrians, are uh, looking to wipe out perhaps millions of innocent civilians, uh, civilians, or at least attack them, which could cause, as the president said yesterday, hundreds of thousands of deaths. What is Idlib? To paraphrase the mental patient who ran for the presidency on my chosen party's ticket. And and Trump's saying, no, you aren't. So that sounds like a red line to me. Hey, Russia, hey, uh, hey, Russia and Iran, do not go into that 
province and start wiping people out or else. And we'll see if we back it up. There's enough fudge room in there. The or else is a little vague to me. Right. Appropriate measures. Right. And the appropriate, appropriate measures, you and, hear me? Sure. And maybe the appropriate m- measure is you have Nikki Haley make a stern statement at the U.N. So. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Hey, getting back, veering back to the Ninth Circuit ruling that said uh, Boise can't bust people for sleeping on the street. Um. I understand the ruling a little better, but I think it's terrible. Um, What they said was, if the shelters are full, you can't arrest people for sleeping on the streets. And, but so Boise said, okay, all right, no problem. They they adjusted that. But then the, the Ninth Circuit said, well, since religious participation is required in some of the shelters, because they're run by religious organizations, that violates the First Amendment rights. It's compelling people to engage in religion. Um, and so that's no good. So you can't even arrest people if there are beds open in the shelters because some of them are religious. But then it gets into the... There's an there's advantage to not being a lawyer or thinking like a lawyer. You can't structure society that way. Right. How are you going to make that a law? I don't know. But you just can't. You can't have a situation where cities are mandated to have enough beds for whoever the hell shows up and wants to sleep there. Right. And it's on the city to that's, provide the bed. That's a rather odd belief. It's like a compulsory government hotel. And, you know, there's, there's a principle of, like, common sense law that I have the right to swing my arms until one of them contacts your mouth. Then I don't have the right to swing my arms. And I have the right to be, you know, gross and scary and crazy and drunk and the rest of it until I impact people and hurt them. Uh, hurt their business, interfere with their ability to conduct their lives, and take their kids to the park, et cetera, et cetera. I think we've we've lost that sense. Um, but anyway, what the Ninth Circuit said was, and this is you know characterized by a journalist, so I don't know how seriously to take it, but it's a wapo. The biggest issue is that the city's rule violated the U.S. Constitution's Eighth Amendment against cruel and unusual punishment. The court found uh, the amendment limits what the government can criminalize. It said. And I'm quoting from the decision. As a result, just as the state may not criminalize the state of being homeless in public places, the state may not criminalize conduct that is unavoidable consequence of being homeless, namely sitting, lying, or sleeping on the streets. I need to consult somebody who actually went to law school. I don't read the Eighth Amendment at all as limiting what the government can criminalize. The entire Bill of Rights does that um, because that would be like a blanket everything amendment, wouldn't it? Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That would mean the, that you have the right to do absolutely anything we say you have the right to do. Yeah, I think that's really grabbing the, well, uh, grabbing the baton from the legislature and legislating. That's the most overturned court in the land. Yeah, well, we'll I think they're about to be again. We'll see if it lasts. Wow, that's a crazy decision. We got a number of texts about a topic we were on earlier of, uh, I feel like my kids want to be outside a lot less than I did. Well, I know they do, but I feel like there's something going on beyond like anything I had much control over. And uh, we got a couple of people had some guesses. Look, uh, when we talked about the, there's a lot less entertainment in the house, a couple of people pointed that out. A lot sure. less entertainment in the house when they were kids than there is now. So right. just purely from a I want to not be bored standpoint. Sure. What's my best option right now? 
there the answer were, is frequently indoors. There were almost no options inside the house. A couple people pointing out, I lived in an 1,100-square-foot house. I shared a bedroom. I could get no privacy. I couldn't be anywhere by myself. There were no electronics. Right. Why would I want to be in the house? Right. Another person pointing out, we didn't have uh, air conditioner. A lot of my friends didn't have air conditioning either. So if it was hot, we were outside. Right. That, too. Yeah. Yeah, good good points, Yeah. my friends. All right. So, all right, there's that. So a real quick. So should you make you go out of your way to make your house less comfortable? Turn yes. the heat way up. Yeah. Turn off the AC. No, no entertainment. Nail several doors shut so your kids can't escape your gaze. <laughs> that was part of it. Yeah. I my mom watching me all the time. Let's go off and seek adventure. Just be home when you hear the dinner bell ring. Do you have an actual dinner bell? Do I now? Did you as a kid? Uh we didn't, but our neighbors did, and we ate dinner at roughly the same time. I lived out in the country, but you could hear it from a very, very long way away. Yeah. My dad could yell off the porch loud enough to hear. Mm. Hey! <laughs> and we could hear him from like two cornfields away. Another Help. dramatic reenactment. <laughs> no, but my mom, I can picture the bell right now. I can hear it in my head. I would be a block or two away playing with my friends, and I would hear that bell. Ah, oh, I gotta go home. <laughs> For lunch in the small town America, rural America. Oh, it was shucks, the, and kicked the ground. <laughs> it was the noon whistle would go off, and you knew it was lunchtime. Yeah. Go home for lunch. Yeah. Good times. Back to when you didn't have to put up with bums sleeping in front of your business because the Ninth Supreme Court said you gotta. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Yeah, that, uh, that's that's not a sustainable idea. Nope. For America. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.